Hey, folks, welcome back to the DC three cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Zach. Vince is uh, on assignment this week, and so will not be here, but he perished in a fire saving his track pants. <laughs> you stole my end of the show bit. Uh, I was, <laughs> was going to say you can find Vince saving his track pants, <laughs> but you made me too. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll think of something else before then but first up uh because vince is not here we don't have to live by his authoritarian rule we can talk about comics out of alphabetical order so we're going to talk about dark crisis worlds without a justice league superman number one written by tom king illustrated by chris burnham and um zach let's let's just set some groundwork here okay this these books are presumably they are set in these like pocket worlds where the justice league are being sent now that they've quote died in the death of the justice league issue and so it seems like from what we've seen in the flash of barry allen's world that these are sort of realities that are created by them as like these perfect places for them to live these these places that will keep them docile and not trying to get out and whatever. And that's how you understand this too, correct? Yeah, essentially. Yes. But this book is crazy. If that's the premise, right? It, well, it is. And it even like, I'm going to jump to the end a bit, but it almost presupposes that like Superman remembers Yes, his previous life, which which the Aquaman book kind of uh, the Aquaman backup in this kind of does as well. Also does, yeah. Each of the each of the books end with the character being like one of these days, you know, and it's uh, it's it's really strange. But no, I mean, this just seems like a terrible world for Superman to want to live in. <laughs> like, usually when you see stories like this, whether it's a Black Mercy story or it's some sort of like um. You know, a comic book version of, you know, the devil tempting Jesus in the desert. Like you see these characters and they're living in a world where crime has been eliminated. And so they're able to just be normal people or, you know, Krypton didn't explode. And so Superman's with his parents or, you know, their son doesn't have powers and therefore he doesn't have the burden of responsibility that Clark has. But this story, it makes Clark into a kind of a coward. It makes John into both a hero, but also like a really uh, impulsive and not not super careful and measured type of guy. And it just seems to me like this is the opposite of the world that Clark would imagine for himself in this situation. Well, so it's in, you mentioned like the, the idea that maybe these worlds are meant to like kind of keep them docile and like. I feel like with those Black Mercy type of stories that you mentioned, the the thing that always gets them is that it's like, it's too uncanny. You know, it's like, right, right. There's just like a bit of unreality that like, things are just too nice. You know, this isn't real because things are too nice. And this, this is not that like, this is, this is a like pretty dark Superman story. (laughs) It is. But you know, the thing that gets me though and like this is a court like this is just my recency bias like since becoming a parent i like like it, it fucks up your, your entire interaction with media yeah it really does but it's like this is like a f- fucked up miserable story yeah but then at the end of it he's like i got to see my son grow up and like he didn't get that in the regular dcu and so like in that way maybe this is a better universe to him I guess I. it just seems to me like if you're if you're trying to create these worlds that are that are these better worlds, you, like nobody wants to make the world better by one percent. Right. You want to make the world better by 100. But you want to make it you want it to be so that everybody is. Well, but again, that's like not necessarily believable though. And we all, we're also like that we're, that's an assumption that we are kind of making based on what. Sure. Uh, sure. That, that's what fair. we've seen in, in the flash, but also like, I mean, King is not notorious. He, he, he is not well known for um, 
reading the assignment getting the assignment you know like sure. <laughs> necessarily sure. like, <laughs> yes yeah um, no, it just seems to be like, like the thing that i was that i was taking from this was like i can't imagine a world where clark has his like half dead son calling him a coward being a being a, a place he'd want to be at all you know, it's just it's I don't know. I I, I that and, and also the other thing was it this didn't read like John or like Lois or like Clark. And so it feels very strange to think this is supposed to be how Clark sees all of this. But again, that's probably more on King than it is on the assignment. Probably. I. Uh, take a look at me now. I liked this though. Really? <laughs> yeah, I liked uh, this. I I did like. I mean, like, it's probably like seventy five percent of the heavy lifting lifting is just the Burnham art and how well, good it yes. is. Yes. But I I did like it because it it's not like the type of Superman story that I necessarily. So this is this is the thing that I like about John that I can't wait for him to be explored a little bit more is because like to this point, like all the heavy lifting is always done by Clark and Superman. And he is kind of like the he he is the one with the humanity who is not infallible, but is ultimately working towards like the best possible good. Mm -hmm. But I like this idea of John as like the actual culmination of that and like this idea of like clark is the like iteration the one who's like getting there and it's like john is the one who will like be the better superman and like the realization of that and i think we're kind of sort of starting to see like bits of that and like what tom taylor is doing but it's still so early on in like the character's history and like it's only just like kind of touching at the fringe of that but i feel like this story really kind of like gets to that of like John being the better Superman and like Clark being the hero for like getting him there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I agree with you that I like that idea quite a bit. I think that's a very fun idea for John. I am less than optimistic that we ever see that fully explored. Oh yeah. No, not at all. I don't. Yeah. Um, But I like how it's explored here. And yeah, like none of the, these characters aren't like, they are not paragons in any way. You know, there's definitely the Tom Kingization of the idea of the Superman family. Um, but it also still, it did feel real in a way. Like it captured some of the like teenage, the sense of teenage rebellion, the questions that we're seeing in the Superman books of like, what do you do when you have this power and how do you exercise it? And how do you handle these like systemic problems? And it it does get to some of that. It's still in a very Tom Kingy way with like not necessarily the most satisfying answers, but I think the way that it all wraps up it it landed really well for me. I did like the end of the story more than I liked the, sort of everything leading up to it, but again, I I just I put and part of this is, is the Superman of it all. Like if this were a story about almost any other hero and their like version of the world or their a better version of their world. And I, again, we know we don't know the full details of this the scope, yada, yada. But my point is that if there's anybody who would how can I say this? Who would want to have their son or who would want peace above all else? I think that it would be Clark who would want that for John. I don't think John wants, I don't think Clark wants John to be, to have to, to have to go through all the things that he went through as Superman. I think he knows that John is going to have to do that in the sort of, in the world that we live in. And I think that he respects John's uh, dedication to 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 doing what's right and to you know raising the voice of the oppressed and all that but this still just seems like King just made it too this is too dark for this kind of a Superman story for me if it's supposed to be more hopeful than the real one 
why is it five times darker than the real well one? It, is, it is very weird and this is like another thing is like it seems like the flash you the flash the the world that barry is in is like flash centric like the flash is the only hero maybe right right you know and in this it's like we don't know of any other heroes other than superman and john but like the entire universe except for earth is like controlled by dark side and that's like the grimmest future the great you know yeah um it's like a weird thing that's not even really like tied explicitly to like the superman mythology you know he fights brainiac in this at one point that's like the the only intrinsically kind of like superman thing the rest of it is like this weird new gods thing where they're fighting like orion and dark side and the the armies of apocalypse and um I mean, there, so much, it's really kind of hard to, like, I guess, talk about this on, like, a mechanics level, just because we don't really know, we don't have the full picture yet. And maybe right. maybe once we understand how this works, that'll cause us to view this story a little bit differently. Sure. Um, but, yeah, just judging the story itself, I like it. I like the chapter structure. I like how each of these chapters, I'm pretty sure, are, like, each of these chapters is one of the years that John was not with Clark and Lois. Like I, I believe that's correct. Two. Yes. Cause I think he was like 12 when he went off with, uh, with Mr. Oz. <laughs> oh God, Mr. Oz. Um, and he came back when he was like 18, um, which feels like a very intentional choice. Yes. And, and again, it's just like, how much does Clark know or remember from that? Like it very much sounds by the end of this, he's like, well, this life is better than that last one because he says like, I was here. I saw him. I got to see him grow. I didn't miss it this time. Like it seems pretty explicit that it does. Yes. Which is weird because the other, the other universe Barry is just like, Oh, it's the silver age. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, so, well, so th- that that's one of the things I wanted to talk about with this, which is that, you know, one of the things that, that we try to do on this show, I think, is review things in, in their proper context. And on one hand, I feel like we should be judging these stories because they're one shots that will likely never be returned to as sort of complete works from beginning to end. And also because they are part of the Dark Crisis event, we have to sort of judge them within that larger context and i think that this maybe paradoxically works better as its own thing than it does as part of dark crisis i agree yeah but i also don't but but then there are some some teases and hints at things that it would be nice to know what they're actually talking about Mm -hmm. if you if you are removing it from the dark crisis world yeah yeah Man, that Burnham art, though. Yeah, I was going to say, we got to talk more about the Burnham like, art, stands, It almost stands on its own just for that. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Burnham art is really, really impressive. And, you know, I, I also feel like Burnham, at least in recent memory, I think of as a Batman guy. Yeah. And so it's cool to see him tackle the Superman family, even though his John is just Damien, essentially. Yeah, but I like the costume. <laughs> oh, yeah. The costumes are great. 10 out of 10. He does look like Damien, though. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but, man, the way he, like, draws, like, Orion and that whole sequence, the the, the super cycle bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so... Uh, This um no, I'm not gonna say it. It's too raw, it's too fucked up. No, yeah, yeah, say it. No, say it. I have to say it. Let's no, say it. it's not warranted. It's just it's come on. I can't no, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. How about this? Uh patreon.com slash gc3cast. I'll make them say it on the Patreon. Yeah, don't make me say it. You guys can ask in the Q&A what was the thing he was going to say. Okay, yeah. If your Patreon members ask in the Q&A what the thing Zach was going to say about Dark Crisis and Chris Burnham's art for the Superman story. Um, 
but yeah, no. And then before we go on to the backup here, I do just want to quickly talk about something that Burnham does here that I really, really liked, which is that I feel like Burnham made Superman look. How can I say this? Aged without looking old. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes whenever someone's trying to draw Clark with the gray temples, he looks like an old man in a Superman costume. The, the th- like Alex Rossification of like the Kingdom Come Superman, like that. Yes. Whereas this looks like the Superman kind of we know and love, just a little bit older. Yeah. And I think that's I, I think that's that I, I really appreciate that choice that he made there. You know, don't I think this is like the status quo moving forward. Is With- Gray Temple's Clark. I don't know. I, I think they're going to be reborn after Dark Crisis. And they're going to be you think again. so. Yeah, which I, I don't like. I want this to be the status quo. This is this is far more interesting to me. I don't know. I think we're going to keep the temples for a while. Uh, but I'm, also, right. I'm coping really hard and thinking that like we're actually getting like some version of 5G once Dark Crisis is over. <laughs> well. Uh, I, I look forward to being disappointed with you, my friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so also in this book, we have an Aquaman backup written by Brandon Thomas, illustrated by Fico Osio. And nothing against Fico Osio's art, but it's a real jarring transition when you go from, especially because there, there, there's no like the end at the end of the uh, Superman story. So you're scrolling through like in our PDF and I don't know if it's necessarily over if it's another page. And then all of a sudden you get the Fico Osteo art for the Aquaman story. And it's like, oh, this is a very different comic we're looking at right now. I feel like every time I see an Osteo comic, it, the art looks different than the last time I saw an Osteo. I, I feel like I have no idea what their style is actually like. I, I think, think every, I have an I think idea right in my that. head and it's never, it's never the same. Yeah. Now, um, this one, this story, I was like, go ahead. You, you talk no, no, it. no, I don't have. Go ahead. What I was going to say is that this story does the exact same thing the other story does, which is that you see Arthur at the end talk about how he's going to like he's going to fix all this. Right. But I think that this story feels a lot more like this feels more in line with the Barry Allen story than it does with the Clark story in terms of what he's imagining like you know there is this world where andy is grown and jackson is aquaman and we get um jess from uh is it earth 11 12 i think 12? maybe it is 11 it's 11 sure. or 12 yeah yeah um but but you know there's this family wedding and you know it's a uh it's just it this seems like you know i guess if garth were in this it would be like the entire Aquaman family together having a happy event instead of have, and there's still some, you know, some fun superheroics in there, but the, this feels more in line with what he, I he thought. He is in this. Oh, is he? In oh, the there he is. Panel, yeah. yeah. Yep. The last panel is like every Aquaman character ever. There's like some others in there. Yeah. There's the DC 1 million Aquaman. <laughs> um, there's a, uh, I feel like there was someone else I saw that stood out. I don't know. Vostok is in there, so that's all that really matters. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, this just feels a little bit more in line with what I thought these stories were going to be. Well, yeah, because like even like his parents are in it and uh, are alive and are like renewing their vows, and it's uh, it's very idyllic. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that there was some fun stuff in this issue, also. There, there was, yeah, the stuff with um, what is their name? Uh, the Flash. Jess. It is Jess. Okay, yeah. That they were very fun. Um, the writing was very fun and playful. You want to know the thing that really confused me and threw me off about this? Sure. Similarly to the way that the Superman one threw me off is that I wasn't sure. So. The story begins with like Arthur waking up and then we have this whole story and then it ends with just these cutaway panels to where he's like waking up again. And I, and I wasn't sure if was all of that supposed to be a dream. Like was, was he dreaming all of that stuff? I don't know. 
I don't if, know either. If, he, if he's dreaming it, then it seems like he's just like essentially trapped in a jail cell, right? Like, yeah, because he's like all this great stuff happens, and then he's like, oh, I don't have everything yet. Right. Yeah. Like, but you do have it all. <laughs> right. Yeah. It seems. It's a very strange, uh, like framing device, or something. yes, yes, exactly. And I know that part of it is it's supposed to be a mystery. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know if it needs to be this much of a mystery. <laughs> it's very disorienting, and I have to think like someone picking this up off the shelf after having only read even like issues one and two of Dark Crisis. It's like, what? What even is this? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. This is a this is a dark crisis tie-in in in name only. <laughs> it's, yes, it's just, you know. A, a DC I know. <laughs> DC I know. Uh, uh, yeah, I just like um I'm I'm here for this as like a sicko who reads way too many DC comics, but even somebody who's like you know, trying to like keep up with the dark crisis event like this, this, I know how this probably connects to dark crisis. And I'm not saying like, Oh, I'm so much smarter than the average reader, but like, <laughs> um, most, most people I can, I would say can probably like guess how this is tied in if they like have been keeping up with stuff, but it's also like, there's almost no connective tissue actually in this issue to dark crisis. Right. Well, th- th- this feels very much like something that DC is putting together because it it because we're we're getting <laughs> because in theory we're not getting stories with Arthur and Clark and Bruce because they're all dead, but the reality is we are absolutely getting stories with those people because they're as the regular books aren't aren't uh, reflecting that right, and yeah. so this feels like it's a weird half measure. We're like, well. They're dead, but we're gonna give you more stories with them. But the only place they're dead are actually in this in the Dark Crisis book. You know what this one thousand percent reminds me of? What's that? The Dark Multiverse. Oh yes, one hundred percent. Yes. And I now and in the same way as I like, I remember speculating like, oh, maybe some of these Dark Multiverse characters will show up in, uh death metal like maybe we'll see this like weird evil lois show up and then of course that to my not i don't recall that ever happening i don't believe Uh, it did but i I don't think it did but it's like maybe we'll see this version of superman you know in the pages of dark crisis well i wouldn't be surprised if there's a moment where john or whoever is going to be like the pied piper of the return of these characters has to go to these different worlds and like recruit them to come back. Yeah. And so maybe that's the way that you see them. Probably. Yeah. <clears throat> it's strange, though. It, I, I will say this, like, you know, we have we are well documented in our Tom King opinions on this show, but I would a thousand percent to reuse the term you just used. I would rather Tom King be relegated to this sort of stuff to do these like sort of one off stories where he can be a little bit more um, in, uh, exclusive of other continuity and other people's ideas and just do basically what he wants to do. Like I, I am much better with that than I am with giving him back on like a monthly title where he is somewhat directing the tone of more than just a couple of issues of DC comics. I, I think as it stands, like my favorite Tom King stories, like, still are are or now are like one-offs one shots um like i i enjoyed this i still look back fondly on that green lantern issue um i really like that one random issue of batman that with lee weeks uh uh, of them like in the future you know yeah uh i'll even toss out that grayson futures end issue with the crew masters code one yeah that weird was it a commandy story that he did yes in the commandy challenge yes yeah that one we're remembering Um, some comics folks we are that was kevin eastman on art right that was yes (laughs) yeah yeah that one no matter no matter how many dumb things dan didio wrecked upon this world 
He also gave us shit like the Commandy Challenge, where artists and, and writers were just like randomly tossed together for these crazy Commandy stories. Yeah. And that's 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 great. I wish I, that's why I'm going to miss the Dio because I miss Wednesday comics too. Things, yes, stuff like exactly. that, you know, just like yeah. weird, weird things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all, all that stuff is is was was great from our pal Danny D. Yep. Well, anything else to say about the Dark Crisis stuff before we take our break? No, I'm I'm very interested in this series of one shots, though. I think like I like the content in this and I'm I'm I love Elseworlds type stories anyway that so I'm I'm here for these. Um, in fact, I like this issue more than Dark Crisis one or two. So <laughs> there. Uh, that is where you and I will have to agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. That's and, okay. And unfortunately, Vince isn't here to say that he's somewhere in between. Yeah, well, we, we know that he's somewhere in between uh, between our hearts, right? Yeah, he is. So um, let's uh, let's take a break and we come back. We're going to talk about our second and final book of the week. So stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back. We are here to talk about Batman Urban Legends number 17, which is a, a funny concept because this was clearly planned out in advance to be like, hey, let's give people stories with Batman and the three characters that are headlining movies this year. And so it's a Batman and the Flash, Aquaman and Black Adam. And uh, I think only Black Adam's coming out this year. Not right now. Did they push Aquaman to next year yet? I believe they did. Yes. I'm looking that up now. I think they did. And who knows yes, if the did. Flash will ever come out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're saying they can't cut ties with uh, with the Flash because it just costs too much money. But it appears that Ezra Miller is a kidnapper and maybe a terrorist. So, like, you know, <laughs> sunk cost fallacy, you know? It's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At some point, they're going to have to cut bait with this. But, yeah. um, but let, let's talk about this in order, though. So the first story is um, is called Cold Shoulders. It is written by Ryan Caddy and illustrated by Gleb Melnikoff. And I just, wanna, I just want to start off by saying that uh, while this is good Gleb stuff, this is not the best Gleb. Oh, I don't know. I think this is good Gleb. I think this is really good. Actually, I, I I'm here for Gleb's Flash, and I'm even more here for Gleb, Gleb's Mister Freeze. Okay, I, I'll agree with both of those characters. I guess it was I wasn't a huge fan of his Batman. Okay, I actually also like his Batman <laughs> because in a few panels it looks like he it's not consistent. So I can't really say this is what he's going for, but there's a few panels where he looks like his cape almost is like, it's almost kind of like a, um, like Victorian era, like overcoat where like, it's kind of over his shoulders and has like flaps that kind of hang towards his, in, in his, like over his chest a little bit, or okay. look like they would hang over his chest. And it's just kind of like a really, um, it's almost kind of like, in my mind like sherlock holmesian in, sure. in it's, and and i'm like oh this is a this is a cool idea for a, a batman redesign like a cloak that almost looks more like like a cloak or a, i don't know i'm probably overthinking it but i saw that and i was like oh that that would be a cool design choice so no, my, um, my my issue with with his batman is that um, I, I don't think that the design is bad. I just think he goes a little bit too deep into the like hyper muscular abbed out Batman. 
okay. in some places. And uh, I always prefer my Batman a little doughier, like uh, Adam West. And okay. uh, he also does the the super short ears for Batman. And, you know, I'm a Kelly Jones boy. He does do that. Yeah. So um, I don't I don't have like a lot to say about the story itself. I guess it's it. I, I like the uh, the interplay between Hal and not Hal barry and bruce um Mm -hmm. the pairing of captain cold and mr freeze is fun it's it's a fun little story it's just it's not i wouldn't even say it's slight really it's it's a fully fleshed out 20 odd page story i think right it's just not particularly deep you know right right um I can't believe you didn't bring up the first thing I noted, which is that Nora is the new Martha. <laughs> yes. How, how Barry and Victor Freeze both uh, sort of comment on on this on the Nora name. You know? I hope that eventually some writer, like in the next crisis, like reveals that there's like two like like matron goddesses of the divine continuum and their names are martha and nora and like from from them begat the entire dc universe i'm here for that (laughs) that could be fun that could be very fun uh yeah there's not too much to say about this you know like i said i i I like gleb's flash a lot put gleb on a flash book that'll be super fun i think his style of of art is just perfect for speed lines and uh yeah, the like it so. is it is that first the first uh the couple first couple opening pages just kind of had me swooning at like the you know what a flash book could look like yes uh, it, it I, almost reminds me of like um some Hum- humberto ramos like impulse stuff okay that's interesting yeah i was actually going to say that those first page of like where you see mirror master and then he's joined by he's dropping off the uh the rogues that reminded me a little bit of what uh carmony uh dg and domenico was doing on the early williamson flash stuff yeah that checks out um also in a very gleb move his bruce wayne looks like he's a 22 year old manga character instead of the uh (laughs) like adult he's supposed to be yeah but again that's a gleb thing so i can yeah i can i can i can deal with that I did think that uh, I do like stories where both Bruce and Barry get to show off being detectives. Yeah, so I, I liked that that part of it quite a bit. I liked the them working together. And also, you know, as we've talked about, one of my problems with with sort of modern DC is that the rogues are all too like villainous. Whereas here, Snart says, like, I don't want to kill the Flash. I'm just trying to like make a living as a crook. Like that's to me, that's the platonic ideal of how the rogues should be written. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that. Agreed. Yeah. Up next is The Sea Beyond by Joey Esposito and uh, Serge Acuna. My uh, my notes app on my phone corrected Serge to Sega Acuna. <laughs> Sega Acuna. Sega. Um. Uh, so yeah. Just, just to talk about this issue a little bit. Well, well again, story, I'm, a little, I'm a little sad that Vince isn't here because we could do a whole riff on uh, XIGN staff writers uh, with Joey Esposito, but I'll have to let it. I'll have to let it pass since he's not here. Um, this story, if I'm being like perfectly honest, probably my least favorite of the three. Well. Uh, there's, I, okay. there's four stories so well the last yeah the last one like is it's barely a story barely a story yeah um i i take that back because art, i like the flash story more artistically but i like the plot of this issue this story better than the flash one um because the mcguffin is that the 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 joker fish from what is it, det- it, it there's an editor's note detective yeah. comics um 475 have gotten into the ocean and are jokerifying all the other fish and it ends up waking up this like eldritch sea 
god thing that was sealed away behind a portal which i feel like uh, i think in a previous aquaman issue i talked about how every aquaman story now is like land versus sea politics and warfare i take it back because there are two aquaman stories now <laughs> those types of stories and then and a sea kaiju yeah a sea kaiju coming out of some kind of weird like stargate under the ocean <laughs> those those are the two genders of aquaman stories these days yeah. uh, just for reference uh, uh tech 475 came out in february 1978 written by steve engelhart illustrated by marshall rogers with the joker fish that's wild i would have pegged the joker fish story for like way way earlier than that yeah um but as i liked the MacGuffin of this i liked the the sort of the, the general idea i did not like how mira was written in this it was weird um it's like it's like if the only mira story you had ever read was blackest night when she becomes a red lantern <laughs> yes yes i was laughing and yelling at the same time there yes that is that is absolutely true and she kind of apologizes for it later but like this I, this just did not seem like mira to me no it didn't it was weird and I know that uh, that's a, that's a frequent complaint of mine, which I'm sure people are very sick of hearing about, which is when characters don't feel like they're supposed to feel like in DC stories. But uh, this did not feel like Mira. It didn't. It felt more like Arthur and Bruce, but it didn't feel terribly familiar. Um, but and the art was OK. It was it was better in some parts than others. Um, I did like the character designs. Mm hmm. But some of the pages, I just didn't, uh, they just, I don't know, they didn't really do it for me. Some of it, I think, came down to the coloring. I didn't, didn't love the coloring. I do love, there's a bit where uh, Mara does like a, like water Kamehameha <laughs> blast yes. at, the, at the weird, um, like sea monster thing. And then also uh, the artist design, the, the scuba suit that, Bruce puts on I promise you I didn't do the research but I guarantee that there was a, a Batman 1990s action toy figure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, 90, a 1990s Batman action figure that looked just like that like with the he has like bat symbols like plastered all over his body I count like four of them in one panel and it's just like yeah this was a toy they I feel like they had to model this after a toy I, I am searching through some images now and it looks like the most prominent Batman scuba toy has him in an all yellow suit. Okay. Um, but there, there are definitely some similarities between that scuba suit and the one he's wearing here. It's the colors. Oh, wait. Wait, I might have found the figure. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's more different than I thought. I had the same thought that you had, Zach. But these toys are a little bit different than I would have expected. Yeah. And in my, in my mind's eye, I'm like imagining one. That exists. I do see the yellow one. Yes. Um, oh yeah. And then there's this. I do remember this like greenish one. It's yeah. kind of like the with the the blue backpack thing. Yep. Yeah. There's still there's still another one that I'm like picturing in my in my mind's eye. Maybe I'll find it one day, but I don't know. It just we could also be like Mandela affecting a uh, a, a toy because we saw we both saw the same thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's still yeah, it's definitely in the spirit. Yes, of '90s Batman action figures, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, my my biggest critique with this, besides the mirror stuff, is just that with the art, it you mentioned that some parts are better than others. It seems like there are there are panels that are really expressive and really interestingly constructed. And there's some that feel like they were just kind of rushed in between those really interesting panels. Mm -hmm. I think that's where some of the quality issues come in, but overall, I thought this was a, a, you know, a perfectly cromulent story for this kind of an anthology. Same. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to talk about it more, but I want you to start talking about statecraft which is the Batman Black Adam story by Alex Pacnadel and MNK Nahuelpan. Well, I think this was my favorite story in the issue. Um, and 
I, I'm gonna, I, I want you to talk about it a lot more, but absolutely wild that the staging for this is that it's essentially like set during the Jeff Johns or around the Jeff Johns JSA run, the it's original in, one in the middle of the Jeff Johns JSA run, essentially. But, yes. Yeah. And, um, I think the, I think the writing in this is, I, exceptional is like strong but it's like it's really good writing i think like very well nuanced i think um i like it a lot i kind of want uh who who is the writer on this it was alex uh, who i've only heard great things about and haven't read a ton of i know he's kind of in the same sort of like pack with um like dan waters and rom v and all of those people who are kind of hot right now and doing really good work mm-hmm. and i i want more pack nadel at dc now <laughs> yawns i'm sorry i can't stop yawning um yeah i thought that this was pretty well written i I'm confused by a lot of this in just terms of, like you were saying, the idea of having this story essentially set during Dark Rain or right after Dark Rain, um, which is a classic Jeff Johns JSA story that that that's that's quite good, right? Um, but it's it's a strange place to set the story. Also, I don't believe that we ever saw any black adam like as a human in those stories ever and he certainly didn't look the way he did here at that time if we did see him in that way so that felt very modern that looks almost like the black adam from the christopher priest story Mm -hmm. so it's it's strange he also kind of looked like this this would have been later after the john's uh black rain stuff but he this is also kind of how he looked in the um, the Peter Tomasi uh, Black Adam post New Fifty Two book or post Fifty Two book, yes, where, yes, where he lost his powers, yes. Um, and so maybe some of that is influencing it too. Um, but I've actually I've never read that the original JSA run, so I I don't have a lot of I I know the beats, but I don't have a lot of context for it. So essentially, um, Black Adam is part of the JSA for a while, and then he decides that he he's going to go rule conduct and he's going to do it in a way that is more proactive than the way we've seen, you know, the Justice Society, Justice League act in the past. You know, it's it's it's, it's the classic like um, Hal Jordan in Cry for Justice thing too. like the Justice League isn't doing enough. We have to be more proactive. And so he recruits his own team in to go to conduct with him and be like his JSA and black uh, um, Adam Smasher is his like lieutenant there. And so that eventually ends, though, and Adam Smasher and Black Adam have this, this like very serious falling out. And so that's what confused me about this, which is that it's almost like. This almost feels like they just decided to ignore the end of dark rain, but it's not actually set during dark rain. I don't know. It's interesting. Again, this is like the semantical, the semantic bullshit that I get caught up on um, when I'm being a pedant about this stuff. But that was a little bit weird to me, but overall the story was pretty good. I thought that the, um, the stuff with Batman and black Adam felt pretty fresh. Like I, I really haven't seen this approach taken to somebody trying to negotiate with Black Adam before. So I, I appreciated that turn. I think MK's art is always really impressive, but this looks really nice. And he this doesn't look like this feels different than the typical MK art. This looks no different way. than like the tech stuff that we just saw. I think yeah, exactly. It, it feels it feels more refined, even. Yeah, even. And even. um and he uh I feel like he does a good job of capturing both Gotham and Kondok in different ways in the same story. Like both. I don't know who colored. Let me look up who colored this because 
I think the coloring on this is also excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordi Belair, I shouldn't be surprised. Jordi oh, wow. Something. Yeah. But I think that that there is some like there's a lot of yellow, like a pale yellow used in both Gotham and Condock, and it helps to sort of join those two settings together. But I, I just think everything about this looks really, really nice. And although, again, I can be the continuity cops about some of this stuff. Overall, this was a really nice story, and I'm glad that it got told, even if it's a one off. We're never going to see anything from this from these from this team again with these characters. I thought I thought it was kind of interesting. There, there was a bit of I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I, I thought there was a weird bit of like cognitive dissonance going on because. I feel like you're carrying in like a lot of, or you're, you're kind of expected to carry in a lot of pre uh, suppositions about this story because you're, you're kind of supposed to know offhand that black hat, black Adam is, is essentially a dictator and, and does things kind of um, unilaterally and is very violent and all of these things that are kind of inherent with the character because but you don't actually get those things from the story he's he's presented extremely like benevolently in this and like bruce is the one who comes off as like a huge dick well so i i will say that adam's goal is always to be the benevolent ruler right but i think that situations force him to be to, to be less than that right right but you there's nothing like you don't actually ever see him doing anything bad in this story i mean to be fair again i, I think that's i think that's kind of how he is now not not now i think that's just kind of how he is like he only goes bad when things really when he's painted into a corner things sure right right but but in that like bruce is the like instigator here yes he is like he, he's, uh, he's doing it under the under the like uh under the guise of trying to be helpful sure which is like the most bruce thing of all time yeah yeah um yeah i i liked the story a lot um yeah. I, I kind of wish it had been longer even. It felt it felt a little truncated. It did. And I feel like the other ones in this in this book could have probably lost a page or two mm-hmm. and nobody would have really cared too much. Probably, yeah. But those, those should have been shifted over to uh over to this story. Yeah, I would okay. say if we didn't already have a very promising uh Black Adam uh Maxi series going on right now i i would say put this team on a on a black adam book but maybe after priest is done yeah we'll see about that or better yeah let let pack write jsa yes give give this exact crew the jsa book yeah i'm in i am definitely in all right Uh, that brings us to the final story in there which is by dan waters and riley rosmo called On His Worst Nights. And look, I love looking at Riley Rossmo art. I think Dan Waters is a really good uh, writer. But this this reeks of, hey, we have 10 pages we got to fill before this issue goes to print. Who has a 10-page idea? It's not even a 10-pager, though. It's like four pages. Or whatever it is. You know, um, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's also, I don't know if you noticed, but it's the it's the villains who are in the Batman. Yes. Um, so so still capitalizing on that movie, uh, the moviness of it all. Mm-hmm. It's cute. I I read it and and I I didn't uh I didn't quite get it. You know what I mean? I, I think I, I sure. got what it was supposed to be, but I didn't feel like it really ended up being, I didn't get the punchline per se. I, I My understanding of the punchline is that um, like Batman gets so frustrated that he hates him. Yeah, but it's like I 
it, it's it's a, it's a pretty sloppy metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It just seemed like kind of a weird. It was a very weird story because it's like Bruce has figured out the riddle, but the Riddler's not here, so he didn't really get it. Right. And now he's mad. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I felt I felt a little. Uh, I felt like I was missing something, but it was also just a four-page story, so I. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. It's nothing. It's nothing incredible to write home about, but it's not. It wasn't a bad way to end the book or anything, right? It was no. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, Well, I this is the time of the show when I usually ask Vince what comes out next week. But do you have our our folder open to see what's out next week? I do. Yeah. So it's the books coming out on 719. Uh, Correct. Yes. Okay, yeah, so we've got Blood Syndicate Season 1, Number 3, Dark Crisis, Young Justice, Number 2, Black Adam, Number 2, Jurassic League, Number 3, Duo, Number 3, Artemis Wanted, Number 1, The Flash, 784, Nightwing, 94, uh, Looney Tunes, 267, (laughs) uh, Justice League versus Legion, Number 4, Fables, 153, DC versus Vampires, All at War, Number 1. Catwoman 45, Batman the Night, number seven, Superman World's Finest, number uh, Batman Superman World's Finest, number five, and Aquaman and the Flash Void Song, number two. That's a week of comics. And we've got some stuff to talk about there. But until then, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian is an app. And I am at the Wilk of Z. Uh, Again, I had a joke lined up for Vince about finding his track pants, but. I will uh, I will instead say that if you need to find Vince, you can find him. Uh, let's see. What's, what's the most California thing? Okay, Talking about all the traffic and the way that he got someplace. Because he, he's a temporary Californian. He's become like a but he's become like a MAGA Californian, though. Like he okay. is he is like against uh, government interference. And he uh, he's like a he's like a no, he's a California libertarian now. OK, there we go. Yep. You that can tracks. find him doing that. <laughs> you can find him protesting seatbelts. Yeah. Someplace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Talk to you soon. Bye. If we're going to be trapped by the confines of comics for the rest of our lives, At least we need stuff like that now and then.